What is up, Big Drive Energy here, Wednesday episode. Talking about Tiger Woods. Who is next on his clothing game? Who is going to replace Nike after 27 years on maybe the most famous body of all time? The most explored, if you will? Um, uh, the most reported no. on? I think you could go to I think you go to one website and find a lot more, but I think for an athlete, then yes, I would probably agree. One of the most famous athletes of all time is switching clothing. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go into our most underrated PGA Tour players. Uh, we'll examine a tweet that was sent yesterday by one and the one and only Max Homa talking about who he thinks is the most underrated. So that got us thinking about who we think is the most underrated, which is obviously more important. And we're going to preview the Sony Open coming up this weekend at Wiley and give you our bet three, six, five picks. And hopefully we will get back on the winning side here in 2024. All right, let's tee it up. What's up, dude? How is, uh, first of all, how is your week back to the East coast? What's going on? Like, we were, you know, we were on camera a little bit ago discussing. Um, you got some some construction going on around your area. You know, we talked yesterday about the tarp on your bed. What's what's the story now? What's going down? Yeah, so uh, they're they're trying to side the uh, apartments above us currently. So there's actually a ladder about six feet from me, and dude's just climbing up and down it, uh, carrying siding. And there's like a circular saw right above my head. Uh, it's, it's amazing that this microphone isn't picking it up because it's just that good, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to have a tough time focusing, which is, you know, pretty standard, but last night, um, so we got another big rainstorm last night and like clockwork, um, our ceiling starts leaking again. Uh, there's like an area in the master room that it always leaks from. So then, uh, Missy texts the owner of the building and the owner's like, can I come over? Um, so him and the, the building manager come over at like 10 PM. Um, just looking at everything, trying to figure out like, apparently it's the greatest mystery of the 21st century where this leak is coming from. Cause they've been working on it for a year, like literally over a year now and, uh, can't figure out where it's coming from. So they're, they're trying to figure out a solution currently. Um, but we will see if it is actually the solution. So then about like, they leave it like 11 o'clock. We go get in bed. We're in bed for five minutes and the fire alarm goes off in the entire building. Um, which has happened before when we get heavy rains like this for some reason. Um, so we have to get up, we go down to the parking garage cause we know it's not actually a fire. Um, and we stand down there for 20 minutes while the fire department gets here and they check everything. And obviously it was a false alarm. So then, you know, it's 1130, 1145. And we finally come get back in bed and try to fall asleep. And uh, it's just been a fucking shit show. Um, so I don't know how much longer my girlfriend is going to put up with living here. Um, I. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I wish I had more of a say. Not really. I mean, I'll just let her run the show, get fucking dog walked by her. Uh, but 
yeah it's it's a total nightmare so i am uh just trying to focus on this here podcast and i've been going to the gym i've been eating better Ooh, i gotta tell you i know you're gonna talk shit i got a costco membership and it's a life changer uh i've seen the light and now i realize what i've been missing out on uh so i am now a costco truther if you will damn so they've converted you too well i'm not actually going to give you shit because aren't like i'm going to be on that membership at some point i guess we have to be physically present together to in order to get me on the card is that what i'm hearing I think so, but I think that if you just roll in there and you're like, hey, I'm on, I'm on this dude's membership. He's at this address. I'm also at this address um, because it's under your address. I put it under your address back in Denver. So, uh, but yeah, dude, I think their baby formula is crazy, like 25 bucks cheaper than like Target or whatever. And I mean, just everything is, it blows my mind how much less expensive everything is. I love that. That's something that yeah. I currently am purchasing quite a bit right now. And also meal planning. Um, I've been, we've been on a little bit of a diet for the last couple of days as well. So starting to feel a little bit better. I uh, have been sick basically since, and I'm not going to, you know, say who gave it to me other than the fact that your girlfriend was sick the first five days she was at our house. But Besides that, I've basically it's been your, sick. It's your weak-ass immune system that can't fight it off. I haven't gotten sick. I First of all, I don't usually get sick, but uh, I've been in shambles being sick since right be- like before New Year's, December, right the day after Christmas, two days after Christmas. I've just been in shambles every day. I wake up, and I'm blowing my nose, and there's ungodly things coming out of it, and they you witness that and they don't, it doesn't stop. And I, I thought an alien expelled from your nose. Like I've never seen anything like that before. I, I actually was jealous because I wanted to feel what that was like. I've never had something so satisfying come out of my nose before. Yeah. So that was a, quite the adventure. And when you're sick with a kid, it's, I think it's the most impossible feat in human life. Because yeah. they don't sleep enough for you to get sleep enough. And, like, I came home, so I went to Las Vegas this last weekend. Probably not the best idea. Stayed up till 5 a.m. Sunday morning. Also not the best idea. Um, I stayed up so late that Kylie was home awake with our kid feeding him in the morning, and I still hadn't gone to bed yet. And I got the the text, the how different are our lives? I'm feeding our son and you're fucking awake still. And I was like, oh God, here we go. Here's the, here's the fucking guilt trip for working. Yeah. You're blaming, you're blaming other people for your sickness when you can't even fucking go to bed at a regular time. We went to the Broncos game that day. You're you, you, I, I understand that you're sick, but your problem is, is you don't know how to like stop and try to get better. You just like, no matter what's going on in your life, you just do what you're planning on doing and you never change plans. No matter if you have 8 million things to do, you just do it anyways. And then bitch about still being sick when you actually make no effort to try to actually get better. Well, that's not completely fair. Both of these things were not just on a whim. 
Like I had, they were both considered work. Now going to the actual Broncos game was not work, but I had to work before it. So I was already out. So what's the point? But I was feeling better by the time this Vegas trip rolled around Friday. I was finally feeling a little bit back to normal. And then I, I reset my, my influenza clock. And I've like on Monday when I got home, the, the first day I got home from Vegas, I worked from home. And I was like sleeping the half the entire day, and you know it's kind of like this is gross, but it's kind of like when you're taking a shit and it's an emergency. Like you sometimes you choose to take a shit and you maybe takes you a little bit longer. Sometimes it's like no, like uh, this is this has to happen right now. Like nothing is more important than this. That's how it was for me sleeping. I'm I'm not a big sleeper. I usually can get by with less sleep. But Monday, I, w- I could not stay awake. I swear to God, somebody was coming to get me. And just like, just somebody shot me with a, a, some sort of a dart where I could not stay awake. I was sitting on the couch. Eyes were closing. I, I had no choice. I had no choice but to try to sleep. And that's what I did. Yeah. Sleep is one of those things that uh, you got to pay the piper eventually. You can't, you can't outrace sleep. If you, you know, like they say all these billionaires fucking sleep three hours a night or whatever it's all a lie like if you're not sleeping at least like six to seven hours a night then you're eventually gonna run out of energy you're gonna be running on e and you're gonna need like a day or two to recover from that so it's a little easier to just try to get a good night's sleep every night um and get that extra hour or so that you need and i know you don't operate on a lot of sleep but um that's like two things you can't defeat are sleep and time. Uh, father sleep and father time, both undefeated. You think you're tougher than sleep? <laughs> That's what you think. Like you're staying up till five. You act like you had to go to Vegas for work, which you did, but nobody forced you to be out till 5 a.m. Like oh, the, ta- the tables were cooking a bit. You just don't realize oh, what time it is. Don't lie to me. You got scraped. I did. I got <laughs> plowed. I got, got ran over by a fucking cement truck. Oh my god! Everywhere yeah. I went, bad luck. You texted truck. me multiple times in Vegas, telling me how wrecked you were getting at the tables. So don't uh, don't act like you had to stay up. You were probably just chasing your tail at that point. I mean, how many uh, ATM receipts you got stuffed in your pocket? Only a few because I got maxed. Like the ATM stopped me. It was a certain amount per day. So then once midnight hit, then I could go back, which was actually kind of, uh, thank God that happened. Um, But then I ended up actually bringing cash home. So I made back a little bit of what I had ended up losing. But I swear to God, it, it gambling for me is just an unwinnable. It gambling on a table is unwinnable. Yeah. Time like you. If you're smart, I guess you go up to a table, you win like 10, 20, 30 bucks, and then you leave. But then if you don't catch the hot table, you can't make like I want to make money that makes me feel something, you know, like that's that's I think part of my problem as well as like $20 doesn't get my shit hard. Like it's it just doesn't like if I left the table and said I'm up $20, like congratulations, that doesn't make me that doesn't tickle me a little bit. Yeah. Usually, usually if I'm up 20 bucks at a table, I throw the dealer, the 20 and walk away and just be thankful that I came what I with what I started with. But actually they say that's how like Dana white is restricted at some of the uh, casinos in Vegas. Uh, 
and they say that's how he plays is he'll show up with 500,000, a million bucks. Um, he'll, he'll play like, he just has this formula where I think he plays 50 grand a hand. If he loses it, he plays, a, he bets a hundred. If he loses, it, he bets 200. He keeps doubling until he wins. And then he doubles that. And if he wins that he walks, like he'll literally be there like 10 or 15 minutes, double, you know, double his money or whatever, make a couple hundred grand and walk out. And that's why the casinos hate him because nobody else has that kind of self-control to walk away. Cause they always think they're going to win the next hand, but in all reality, uh, yeah, gambling is for fun. It's not for making money. So yeah, the one time I legit made money, I think I made like $1,500 or $2,000 playing blackjack was in Sandia, New Mexico. And obviously you have to catch a hot table. It's blackjack is a little sketchy, especially when you're playing with a bunch of people that you don't know. Every table we were at, it was just like four of us that we knew so we could kind of play as a team. But I was doing the Dana White and I was just unconsciously doubling if I lost. And when I kept doing that, it, it was working out for me because then I'd go back down to one or whatever my normal unit was. I think it was like $25 if I won that second double. So then I was I was almost like hoping to lose because then you just hammer and then, oh, lose again, ha double hammer, and then you win it all and you're like, God, I'm the fucking king. But if you lose like <laughs> 10 in a row, then it's not fun. Then it's an well, ATM dude. trip in your future. Do you remember that chick that when we were in Oklahoma this last summer, uh, like somebody else at a blackjack table can easily ruin your time. Um, for example, this lady at the hard rock in, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma was hitting on, uh, 18s and 19s when the dealer was showing, uh, you know, five, six bus cards, whatever. Uh, didn't matter what the dealer was showing. She was hitting on 18s and 19s and you and I were like, we looked at the dealer and we're like, are you really going to let her do that? And she was like, yeah, that's just how she plays. I'm like, no right person. Like you're literally giving your money away. And I understand that gambling is kind of like that anyways, but are you fucking kidding me? And the, the dealer just sat there and, and watched us uh, get scraped because this lady kept taking all the dealer bus cards. Like it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. It, there's some people playing super reckless. I actually got into a an argument with this guy from Boston. Um, and I was in my arguing, like, you know, that mood that I get in when I just get drunk enough to where I feel like arguing with people. Nightmare. Well, this guy, first of all, he was being disgusting towards the dealer. Uh, and so, like, that stuff, and she was a female, obviously. And so that stuff, like, doesn't fly with me a ton, especially when... You know, I have like a, I feel like I have a duty to like defend, especially girls that are our age. Like, I don't feel like that's like, they have to do, they have to deal with it because it's their job and they have, you know, they're trying to make money. That's what they're doing. But, and you even like repeat what he was saying? Um, it just like the sweetheart and the gross, grimy, old, fucking nasty. Just, just like, like a perv. Yeah, just like give me the give me that little t you know, just like I don't want to repeat it because it kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. But he, uh, so he kept losing, and then he's talking shit to us at the table, me, Ryan, and Hank. And I said, "You have no fucking chips. Why don't you leave? You keep fucking losing, and you're talking shit to us." And he's like, "Oh, big tough guy." Like he was big Boston accent guy, and I said, "Get the fuck up from this table right now." 
either put more money down or shut the fuck up and leave. And everybody's like, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, no, this guy's pissing me the fuck off. He's talking shit to the dealer, talking shit to us. We're winning. He's losing. Get out of here. I don't, I don't play that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't there because you have a way of just making everybody around you somewhat uncomfortable at times, but I can't, (laughs) I can't say I blame you. Like if he was being a dick to the dealer and all that, then I, I don't blame you whatsoever. Yeah. I just had to set some shit straight and he was pissing me off. So he was the one that got the brunt of my anger. And then I started losing and I started getting even more pissed until he finally got up and left. I was like, Dude, and I'm then sorry. I started talking shit to the dealer too. <laughs> and then I started asking for the twos, honey. God, and then I took God. a, uh, took a page out of his playbook all of a sudden. Yeah. No, that we don't, we don't roll like that. I generally like to take care of the dealers. I'm a big believer in uh, casino juju. Like you got to take care of your dealers. you be nice to the people. Um, I know it's hard to win anyways at casinos, but if you're an asshole to the dealers and like don't tip, there's like a 100% chance you're going to lose everything you got. Oh, 100. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your karma is coming for you. And that's why like I was barely winning, if not just staying afloat and I was tipping the fuck out of them. I yeah. just kept like, please karma come around and help me out. And it just never did. You somehow think that tipping the dealer is going to make the cards better, which is just, uh, an odd way of thinking like because I think the exact same way but uh, sometimes it works you know you can't you can't say it doesn't work there's no proven theory that it, it it's impossible yeah my my last hand that I remember um, from one of my one of my stacks is I was just playing by myself I was the luck was just kind of going not in my favor I was like all right I'm gonna put my last like I think it was 80 bucks or 100 bucks in one one hand, try to double it up, and then continue to play the bet, the table min for another hour or so with the boys. And I get, I get eighteen. Dealer showing ten. I'm like, ah, I'm hosed. Whatever. This is how this is how it ends. And she flips a three. So I'm like, oh, score! Like I got a little tingly. I was like, cool. It's gonna be twenty three. I'm gonna actually win this hand. I'm gonna make the biggest hand I've made all weekend right now. And we're gonna we're gonna rock and roll for another little bit. And then she flips a seven and she literally just got up and like left because I was like the guy at the table that was mostly losing. You know, there's always usually that one person at a table of four or five that somebody just like loses no matter what their hands are just shit. And then everybody else wins. And I was happy for everybody else. Like it's, it's more fun when every, when at least five, four of the five people are winning versus nobody. Cause then it's just vibes are all time bad. But I almost was like, I, I became apathetic and was just thought it was funny at that point. I'm like, oh, fuck me again. Here we go. Yeah. Like, it'd be like flip, like 19, 20, blackjack, 13 for me. That's how like yeah. it just felt like it was going. So I, I didn't have the best of times. There's always one person at the blackjack table that has to eat the shit. Um, sometimes you're not that guy. Sometimes you are, but it's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. If you gamble long enough, you will be that guy and you will be on the opposite side of that. So, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not. But I think just uh, realizing it is uh, a, a big, a big part of it because so many people can't step away, which myself included. Um, but that's gambling. That's showbiz, baby. Yep. You never, you just have to take it for what it is and try to have a good time. I did- mostly did. Real quick, did we talk about the casino in Detroit being $50 table minimums? Yeah, it was a Saturday night. It was, you know, NFL host. They think they're like the the new 
fountain blue in Las Vegas. Like what the fuck is a $50 table men and who in Detroit is playing $50 table men's. I mean, I will say the casino was packed, which blew my mind. Like I, I threw $200. No, I threw $300 on the craps table and it was gone in five minutes. Like I was, I was disgusted after, I mean, we don't even need to talk. We'd already talked about the Broncos, but the vibes, I, I, I can't remember a night being worse vibes than that for the, like going out with the intention of having a good night and it just going that poorly. Like, I, I can't remember a night that bad that I've had in probably better part of a decade. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a rough night. $50 mins. The only other time I've actually played $50 mins was at Caesars Palace in Vegas. And I'm like, this is this is the some random Detroit casino. I don't even remember what it was called. We were in and out so quick with our fucking tail between our legs. I don't even remember the name of it. Yeah, and then we went home and ate lunchables at the hotel room. So yeah, that made that me was cool. that was the highlight of that night. And Spencer <laughs> bitched me out for a half hour, but that's we'll we'll move on from that. Um, but should we uh, should we talk some golf? Yeah, let's get into a little bit of golf. Uh, Tiger Woods first on our first on our docket today is of course leaving Nike. Um, it's so he's been with Nike since 1996. The last tournament, uh, he was ever a non-Nike sponsored guy was in in 96 at the U.S. Amateur. He was trying to become the first person to win the U.S. Amateur three straight times. And ironically, do you know the name or does the name Steve Scott ring a bell to you at all? No, it doesn't. So he's a former Florida Gator, a two-time All-American. He was actually beating Tiger by five shots heading into the last day of the USAM. And on the 16th hole, Tiger went to... He, Tiger had to move his marker so Steve could putt. Tiger forgot to put his marker back, and Steve called him on it before he actually hit the putt and said, hey, you need to move that marker back. Tiger ended up making that putt on 16, getting within one shot and winning the tournament in the playoff. Wow. And that was Tiger's last tournament before um, he... That was his last tournament as a non-Nike sponsored athlete. I mean, I was three years old. You were one, one and a half. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think it's been that long. And uh, take a quick gander. His first deal with Nike was a five-year deal. What do you think that paid him? Which was the largest deal at the time, the largest uh, golf deal ever made. I'd probably say like five years, $30 million. It was 40 so five years, forty million dollars. He was getting eighty a year. Um, but guess now how many, how much Nike's paid Tiger over the span of twenty six years, and from ninety six to now twenty seven years. I should. Say. I think it's it's over half a billion, right? Yep, just a little over five hundred million dollars since nineteen ninety six that Tiger's earned. And you know, there's certain investments that we all make. Um, Peloton stocks for me is one of them where you think it's just going to blow up or you think it's the the sign of the future and then you get absolutely crushed on it or any gambling investment that I make currently. Um, but their uh, annual revenue the year before they signed Tiger Woods in golf was $30 million. Two years after they signed Tiger Woods, he's in the fold. He's a full-on Nike athlete. Nike golf has taken off $300 million in revenue. So yeah. it jumped tenfold 
based on just signing Tiger Woods in 1996, which now who knows what that would look like in relative terms to inflation and what money looks like today. Yeah, I mean, if he was getting eight million a year in '96, I'd be willing to say that that's probably worth twenty-five to thirty million dollars now, at least. Uh, probably somewhere in the thirty million dollar range, maybe thirty-five. So yeah, like it's kind of one of those things. Would you take ten million dollars today, or twenty million dollars in ten years, or you know, one of those stupid questions? I'm pretty sure Tiger, if he knew what he was doing with his money is uh you know he could have turned that 30 million that he made probably 2015 after taxes uh into you know hundreds of millions off of that investment uh depending on what he put it in so but yeah the the tiger woods nike saga is an all-time it's right up there with michael jordan um i think they should do a documentary not a documentary but like a movie because Air, uh, the Michael Jordan story was one of my favorite movies that I've watched in the probably the past five years. Uh, I watched it twice because I just thought it was super good. It was super well done. Um, some people liked it, some people didn't. But uh, I thought Ben or not Ben Affleck. I thought Matt Damon was great. Um, but overall, uh, I think that they should make a movie about Tiger Woods and the whole Nike situation and. All that, because I think that would be super cool. Speaking of movies, off topic real quick. I think they're doing a movie on John Daly. Um, basically similar to like the, you know, they're kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't say in person or, you know, trying to do his life, but they're trying to show him in his early years and kind of his rise to fame. And uh, Jonah Hill is playing John Daly. So I think that's going to be an absolutely fire movie also. Yeah, when Jonah Hill, obviously we know him from Super Bad to start, and he's been a, you know, one of the best, one of the funniest actors of our generation. But when he gets in that, um, that Moneyball type of John Daly smoking cigarettes, drinking, gambling mood, I'm excited to see what that ends up being because he's Jonah is one of the best by far. He's gonna have to channel his inner uh, Jordan Belfort. I forget what his name was in. Uh... Uh, what Wolf of Wall Street? Um, he's gonna have to channel his character from that movie, uh, because that's basically what John Daly was in his prime. Yeah, that's gonna be an absolutely electric movie. Um, a couple more comments on Tiger. So he released a statement that said, "Quote: Over 27 years ago, I was fortunate enough to start a partnership with one of the most iconic brands in the world. The days since have been filled with so many amazing moments and memories." If I started naming them, I could go on forever. So, humble brag. Phil Knight's passion and vision brought this Nike and Nike Golf partnership together, and I want to personally thank him, along with Nike employees and incredible athletes I have had the pleasure of working with along the way. People will ask if there's another chapter. Yes, there will certainly be another chapter. See you in L.A. So he's talking about uh, the next tournament he's going to play, which is Riviera, I believe. It is uh, here in a couple of weeks. But some interesting facts I found about Nike, too. And, you know, Nike golf may just be folding in general. They may just go back to, you know, lounge or leisure wear, sportswear shoes. Um, but they do not – they have a strict rule where they do not pay any athlete more than 10% of their category revenue in sponsorship money. So if they're, you know, roughly 
they're paying Tiger roughly 25, 30 million a year. They're not making the 250 to 300 million a year now every year um, that they used to be or that he, you know, was worth to them essentially. Like, is 10% the right number? Obviously, Nike, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know better than Nike, but I, I found that interesting. And um, it's also interesting to think about where tiger's going with his clothing you know is he we talked about it a little bit on the weekend winners episode yesterday but as as much as i could find i don't know if you were already on to something or you had heard anything but grayson is the one that everybody's kind of pigeonholed him into and and thinks that that's the one because they actually gave they gave justin thomas equity and so i wonder what the equity is going to look like for tiger woods if they gave it to justin thomas fresh off his uh, anti whatever f bomb on the golf course, which had him dropped by Ralph Lauren Polo, but uh, Grayson seems like the most logical uh, next clothing company for Tiger Woods. He already is wearing Foot Joy shoes and has been uh, since 2021 when he had the accident. But Tiger would be obviously a huge get for that company and kind of growing their brand in terms of. Uh, brand awareness and then you know if tiger's wearing something i used to have the red nike shirt my senior pictures in high school were in a red nike golf shirt because of tiger woods and that's that's a fact um so he definitely moves the needle and they actually in early december had announced a brand ambassador partnership with charlie woods on instagram and then deleted it so i don't know what's going yeah grayson did so i don't know what's going on there but that that could be a, a hint and a sign of things to come. In all honesty, like I'm not trying to brag, but I legitimately just came up with that in this little pea brain of mine. So uh, I did not read anything anywhere. I just, you know, I know the connections on tour. I know Luke Donald is a huge uh, piece of that, has a huge piece of that pie with Grayson Clothers. Um, and they're just like a, a really sleek new, uh, I would almost consider them like the Lululemon of golf a little bit. Uh, they they make like really well designed clothes, uh, very very clean, very high end, um, and some great designs. And like the Wolf logo just kind of tops it off. Like they actually make loafers. Have you seen their loafers that have like the wolf on the front of them? No, I have not. They're so sick. I think I might have to get a pair. And like I, it, it is kind of crazy though because I don't even think whatever Grayson offers Tiger, I don't think there's a single company that has more to offer Tiger than, than he offers to them. Like he is that kind of needle mover still at this point in his career where he's playing a handful of events every year. Um, he's still by far the biggest name in golf and it, it's going to be crazy just to see whatever happens. Like, I mean, maybe they're going a little two for one with him and Charlie and Charlie's making a little bit of money on his own, you know, setting him up with a little trust fund before he even gets out of high school. Uh, but it would be crazy to see like Charlie at like junior events and shit rolling around and they're like, po Grayson is posting pictures of Charlie in their gear. Um, I, I mean, it does seem like the logical next step. It is funny though. when you think about the whole foot joy situation, like how relatable is it that, I think that foot joy is pretty well known as like the most comfortable shoe in golf. I would say it is. And I've played quite a, you know, I've worn quite a few, uh, but like tiger in his heyday in his prime athletically, 
uh, is, is wearing Nike shoes, the narrow ass, like no support. So uncomfortable in my opinion. Um, and then like he gets in a car accident, he's not as mobile. He's, he's all these things. And he decides to go to foot joy. Like I am, I am basically tiger post car accident. Like I, I need that kind of stability and that comfortability in my golf shoes. So, uh, I think him and I can somewhat relate on that. I'm just a 28 year old dude. And he's like a 45 year old elite athlete that got in a, a terrible car accident. Um, but I could say I've never related to Tiger Woods more, uh, than him just rocking the classic foot joys. Cause those shits are so comfortable. I, you can't tell me any different. Yeah. Well, it, what does it say to, you know, like you just said about the Nike shoe in general over the past couple of years that one, he needed some real support and needed to have a shoe that was more comfortable and not just the, the logo that he wore, he went to foot joy shoes. So uh, I only only wear FootJoy socks, so I can a- attribute to how comfortable they are. And I'm pretty sure all of my golf shoes are only FootJoy. the The flexes were the most comfortable thing when we were working. They're you know they're not they're a golf shoe, but not entirely fully spiked. Um, then the Pro SLs were great. Uh, the the old school like you could still get the old school leather ones with the you know the leather on the side and and the different designs kind of looking like a 1990s golf shoe. They just have so many options and they're definitely the most comfortable shoe in the game. Yeah, I've got, I think I've probably got four pairs of foot joy flexes in the back of my car. Uh, I still have a, a couple pairs of the, the pros. Um, what are they called? They used to be called the classics and then, uh, the icons. I still have a couple pairs of the icons floating around. Um, that was like when I was 18, 19, whenever I would get pro shop credit, you know, like, winning the club championship, winning the men's amateur open like we did, not a big deal, whatever. Uh, we made thousands of dollars in pro shop credit and I would spend it on foot joy shoes generally. Um, I will say one thing, it's actually crazy. and I don't know how I stumbled upon this, but I'm a big foot joy boxers guy. I don't know if you've ever worn their boxers. They just have like one kind of boxer and it's actually, you know, kind of plain but boxers are one of those things that like when you find something you like you like to generally stick with it um so i probably have like 10 pairs of foot joy boxers and they're so fucking comfortable and the socks all i wear is foot joy socks also um so everybody knows i'm a golf guy when i'm walking around no matter what if i'm at the gym no matter where i am i think i i just had an episode there for a second i almost threw up i thought Um, we were gonna lose you Dude, I was. I, I, was I, I take know. over. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if I fucking hit the ground, call nine one one. No, I just started to have a little acid reflux. I don't know what the fuck's going on. This roofing job's got me fucked up, <laughs> and probably the yogurt I ate earlier. I don't know why yogurt has acid in it, but that's for another day. Uh, but yeah, Foot Joy. I would say if you're listening to this, sponsor us. I love Foot Joy, um, and they. The, I mean, their polos are fire everything they do i mean they're they don't need to sell them they, they don't need to sell anybody on their product they're they've earned that kind of uh respect that they get within the golf community so i can't really blame tiger you know going back to the well that's foot joy was what he was wearing when he was an amateur before he turned pro he was a a titleist foot joy guy so i mean i obviously don't see him um i think he's with taylor made and taylor made's offered him just 
hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, which isn't surprising because they just love to shill out their marketing dollars to anybody that'll uh, wear their shit. So I'm not a big tailor-made guy. We've discussed this previously on the pod. Um, But I think he's going to be like tailor-made and then Footjoy shoes and then probably Grayson clothers. So, Yeah, ironically, I actually have a Grayson shirt on today. Um, Do you I really? Have, I It's just a black t-shirt. You can barely see the Grayson in it, but the wolf is on the back. Um, Where'd you get it? it? I don't know. I've had it for like four or five years. I think I got it in one of those short par four boxes when that was my jam. And it's just, it's one of my, I have like categorized my shirts and I have like the undershirts that are black in case I'm wearing a black hoodie or, or some sort of black shirt that just covers up, basically just goes underneath what I'm wearing. I'm never, no one's ever really going to see it but it's just a comfortable shirt on my body. And then, you know, I wear whatever above that. And if you're not tuning in on the YouTube, make sure you watch these pods on YouTube, Big Drive Energy Golf. Mitchell and I are both rocking the Ripper GC. We did not talk about this today. He's got the hat. I've got the hoodie. Uh, shout out Cam Smith, our boy. Um, but yeah, make sure you're checking us out on the YouTube. If you listen to this pod on audio, we appreciate you all as well. Give us a, a rating on that. Um, the last thing I had on the Tiger thing is there's also been some speculation about him and TaylorMade in general going to a a clothing model and trying to get into that space a little bit more because they've got massive athletes in terms of the golf world of Rory, Scotty, and Tiger who are all Nike clothing guys. And all the Nike clothing guys, if they're, if, you know, I would assume if Tiger's jumping ship, I, you know, Rory and Scotty aren't far behind unless they're, moving their uh, needle to those guys. But TaylorMade has released a little bit more clothing in the last six months, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some TaylorMade clothing coming out. And I don't know if they'll, you know, hop on with a well-known brand or become like a foot, you know, Titleist FootJoy has always been a thing. So I don't know if that's in a, in the realm of possibility or if it's just they'll create, you know, TaylorMade clothes. But if you got Tiger behind it, I'm sure you'll be just fine. I could almost see, uh, and we can timestamp this i could be completely wrong um but i could almost see taylor may just buying grayson at some point um they already bought a or they're doing you know doing a collaboration of sorts but i think they bought this uh small putting uh outfit out of san diego california um i think it's called olsen putters if i'm not mistaken it's just off the top of my head so i could be completely wrong on that also uh, but I could see TaylorMade just kind of buying up. I mean, they're a billion dollar company. Like they could, they could offer Grayson a couple hundred million easily, not bad an eye at it. And then just combine, you know, Grayson TaylorMade. Uh, I mean, if Adidas is, is a dying brand, in my opinion, at least in the golf space, like, like you said, in the athleisure wear, um, everything like that, uh, they are still going to be a prominent brand, but in golf, I think it's kind of over. Um, we got a comment. I never dug the Tiger Wood Nikes for whatever reason, prefer the Jordan golf shoes when it comes to Nike. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, the Jordan golf shoes, I think are just look so fire. And uh, every single model that they've come out with just looks so good. And like Tony Finau rocks them. Uh, Keegan Bradley is actually the OG Michael Jordan guy. Him and MJ have been boys for a while. Um, so he's, I think before all of this started, like I think it was actually Luke Donald and Keegan Bradley, the two dudes that had like all the OG uh, 
Michael Jordan golf shoes, and they're so sick. Yeah, the Jordan brand golf shoes blew the uh, any old Nike golf shoe out of the water, although Nike uh, has gone through some other things that have made certain people and certain demographics not like them, but that is not what we're going to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> that is um, for a different podcast. Let's move on to our most underrated player on tour. Before we get there, I want to tell you about an underrated, maybe overrated, not overrated, but maybe <laughs> rated properly burrito spot in Arizona, and that is Burrito Express, our favorite place to stop right after we get down to Arizona. I will be there in a couple of weeks doing an event at Putting World. Really excited to check that out. Going to play in a money game, get all my money taken by um, some guys down there at Mesa Country Club. But I'm going to definitely stop at Burrito Express right when I land before I head over to the golf course. Make sure my uh, stomach is full before my wallet becomes empty in that money game because number one, I haven't hit a ton of balls. Number two, I haven't played the golf course. And so I am set up for the least amount of success possible, but should be a good time. And I'm going to hit up Burrito Express before I get there. Also want to tell you about our favorite Breckenridge Distillery. Um, this last couple of weeks when I've been, you know, in this mode of sickness, I've gotten really into the hot toddies and a hot toddy with Breckenridge distillery whiskey is right now my favorite drink. I've been drinking tea a lot. I don't know if that, what that says about me, but tea is much better with a little bit of honey and lemon and whiskey in it. That's my kind of tea, uh, my cup of tea, if you will. So make sure to check out Breckenridge distillery. They have the best bourbon in the game. Uh, Mitchell stopped at the actual distillery up in Breckenridge when he was here in Colorado. Had a little whiskey up there. They've got great food. It's a great atmosphere. They've got parking. Maybe one of the only places in Breckenridge that has parking on a weekend. Um, and you can get it in all 50 states. Just go to www.breckenridgedistillery.com or check out your local retailer. I can guarantee you can get yourself some of the best bourbon that I've ever had. And it's it's soup season. It's cold. The wind blew my hat off walking into work today, so make sure you get yourself some Breckenridge Distillery Whiskey. Warm up your uh, insides with that or with a hot toddy. My current favorite drink, I'm going to have probably a couple of those this evening until I pass out, a.k.a. fall asleep um, because I need my sleep. Responsibly. All right, responsibly, yes. Um, All right, most underrated player on tour. You start kind of go into the Max Homa tweet, the king of golf Twitter, no matter what the PIP says every year. Um, and it was just kind of an interesting topic from his point of view. Uh, and then we wanted to get our point of view each on who we think is the most underrated player on tour right now because uh, you've got, you know, with guys leaving, like guys like John Rahm, who everybody loved and everybody thought was one of the best players in the world, and he was. Uh, he won't be talked about near as much this year, so now it's like Scotty Scheffler's show, maybe Victor Hovland's show to take over. But we're going to talk about the guys that nobody talks about as much and get into why we think they're underrated. So you want to lead us off here? Yeah, so it, it initially came from a Kyle Porter CBS tweet. Um, he's a golf reporter and somewhat familiar with his Twitter game. Um, he said, question I've been thinking about these last few days, who's the most underrated golfer in the golf world right now? A few funny responses before I give my answer. Um, This isn't funny, but Min Wu Lee, um, we talked about him on the pod a few weeks ago. had a great run down in Australia. He's definitely one of those guys that I don't think gets the recognition. Um, But my favorite uh, response was uh, a six handicap during a member guest tournament. 
because uh, that is generally the most underrated guy that's going to shoot a net 63, walk into the clubhouse and act like he just had the round of his life when he's probably actually like scratch. Uh, but but that's just beside the point. So Well, real Max, quick, real quick. Um, yeah. There is nothing worse, as most of you know, uh, that have listened to this pod before, or if you're new here, welcome. We are former golf professionals. Um basically ran a golf course. We're not on TV. If, if that's kind of what your, your mind goes to, uh, we weren't playing with tiger woods. Didn't happen, but we were former golf pros running, running a golf course out in Colorado and nothing makes your stomach drop worse as a golf professional than when you run a big member guest, something we work on for months, getting everybody in the tournament. We had one of the best member guests in the entire state. And then you look up at the fucking leaderboard after day one and some random dudes that signed up and they're in like the third or fourth flight with a 12 handicap are leading the the fucker by 40 points. And it was yeah. Stableford, so they're getting points and their handicaps. But there is no worse feeling because you've got a line of members and people that play the course every single day up to your desk wanting to know what this guy's actual handicap is. And it's just, it's a shit feeling. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's sad that that's what it, it comes to a member guest, but everybody pads the shit out of their their handicaps it's just kind of a a sad deal um so let's just be real that's 2024 let's just be honest about our handicaps uh so max homo quote tweeted kyle porter's tweet and said the answer is tyrell hatton um which i mean statistically speaking i i would probably agree you know for where he's at in the world like i mean He's a Ryder Cup player. He's a multiple-time winner on both tours. But there's still something there for me that, it, you know, I think he will win a major eventually. Um, but he just – he does everything very well, but he does nothing, like, on an elite level. Uh, I would say his short game is probably one of the best parts. Um, drives it fairly well, irons fairly well, whatever. But I generally agree. I mean, Tyrrell Hatton's kind of flown under the radar for a lot of people. Um, he's gotten more, you know, publicity for his hot mics on the golf course than he has his actual golf game. So uh, that definitely factors into it. But my opinion, and I started looking at the world rankings, and that's always kind of a trip now with like, you see all these big names that are down in the, you know, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and all these dudes, Cameron Smith's like outside of the top 30. But anywho, uh, I think Matt's Matt Fitzpatrick is probably the most underrated player uh, in the world right now, simply because, you know, when uh, we're picking majors or we're even picking week to week on the PGA tour, he's, he's not the kind of dude that uh, immediately comes to the top of your head as a favorite. You know, you don't, you don't think of him as elite um, in the certain, you know, you don't hold him in the certain light that you do in the same light that you would Scotty Scheffler or, you know, the guys like that. But uh, I'll give you a few stats. He's started um, about 130 or so PJ Tour events, and he is top 10 in about 25% of those starts. Um, so one out of every four times he's finishing in the top 10. He has two PJ Tour wins. Uh, that includes a major um a US Open which is probably the hardest tournament to win um at Brookline which is a very very good venue obviously uh but then he's got 11 or he's got 9 wins on the DP World Tour um he's statistically one of the best putters year in year out on any tour 
and he physically taught himself how to hit it further uh, about three, four years ago, and it really, really elevated his game. But I think that he's just not on as many people's radars as you would, you know, for for his success and what he's done. I mean, he's made like almost $25 million on the PGA Tour already, and he's 30 years old. Um, I think he generally flies under people's radars. Yeah, that's a fair one. Um, that's a really good pick because he is a guy that, uh, he, he the future of the golf world, the PGA Tour world right now, he's one of the maybe 10 guys that I'd say it's in his hands a little bit because he's an international player, you know, from England, but also dominate dominates the relative term on the PGA Tour and is a guy that is at the top of leaderboards every single week. I do want to push back a little bit on the Tyrrell Hatton being underrated. Now, I think it's it's uh, philosophical from Max Homa because these guys watch each other play. all And they watch each other hit balls and they play with each other. Um, we kind of more just see, you know, the nerdy stats and watch the tournament from our, our couch so we don't get the, the insight that those guys do. But <clears throat> Tyrrell Hatton to me is one of the guys that everybody picks to win everything and he never does. Um, yeah. So that's why I don't see him as underrated. Now, he's a great player. Currently ranked, you know, like you said, take world ranking points um, with a grain of salt, but he's 14th in the world. But it feels like everybody expects him to win. I think I had him to win the players last year. I had him to win a couple of different tournaments. And he he's there, but he's never always there, you know. And he fired the low round of the tournament last week at the Century, shooting 63, and still finished, like, top 10. You know, it, it's just like, and I'm not saying top 10s aren't good, but... He doesn't seem underrated to me. He just seems really good, and he's like about to break through and maybe win some more events and be like, okay, this guy's one of the goes from maybe underrated to just straight up one of the best players out there in the game. Yeah, <clears throat> that brings me to my most underrated player. Which going through some stats and just info on him is it still blows my mind, and that's Tom Kim, and the fact that this dude's only still 21 years old is insane. And one of the things I love about him is he's a grinder. He's one of the few dudes that if you're a Tom Kim fan, Ju Young Kim, for those of you that have known him as that, he's now officially Tom, I think, in most leaderboards and in places. But he's played 45 events, and he started on the PGA Tour in mid to late 2022. The dude plays almost every single week. Doesn't matter what it is, he's a grinder. I remember watching him at... I want to say the RSM or something later in the year last year. They're like, oh, he's having, he can barely walk and he's out there grinding it out and playing. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he finished in the top 20, but he started 45 PGA Tour events. He already has three wins and he's 21 years old. He's got seven international wins and he's made 37 of 45 cuts. So he's eight, over an 80%, almost 85% on making cut rates. Um, he's got one third. He's got one second. He's got six total top fives, and he's got 12 top tens. So he's top tenning over 25% of the events he played in. And, yeah. you know, and his official money's already almost at $11 million. And he's he's only been playing on the tour for not, he's finally finished a full year on tour. And yeah. so that those stats to me, being a 21 year old kid that, is just playing in every event he can you know he's i think i heard some stories about him like when he travels he travels like super cheap and finds like very cheap places to play it's kind of just him and his team he's very like to himself um but at 21 years old i don't know how you know 
most people don't even know who that is. You know, when you say the name Tom Kim, obviously his name's kind of changed. I don't know the the logistics behind that whole scenario, but nope, not a lot of people know who that guy is, and he's dominating, relatively speaking, for his first year and a half on tour. No, I, I think that's a pretty good pick. I mean, it's odd, like, him being so young blows my mind. Um, there is a handful of guys that are, uh, you know, from Asia and Japan and China that, uh, and I'm not trying to be an idiot here. I just don't know exactly where maybe he's, I think he might be Korean, uh, but I could be wrong. You know, I'll just preface it with that. Uh, but there is a handful of those dudes that when they qualify for the PGA tour, they don't even, um, and, and they're known for their work ethic too over in that area. So they just are raised to work their ass off, which I totally respect. But a lot of these dudes don't even like buy a house in America. They don't even rent a place. They legitimately live week to week. They go from hotel to hotel and all they do is play golf. So like if he takes an off week, whereas he, you know, he's not, a he could go play at any TPC course he wanted because he's a PJ tour member, but uh, he kind of just plays every week because what else is he going to do? You know? So I think that's kind of a, a good problem to have as a professional golfer where, you know, you don't have much else to do other than quote unquote work and practice your game. So I think that's part of what has catapulted Tom uh, to the point where he's at, you know, nationally being such a, a young stud at even 21 years old. It's insane. Yeah. And he is South Korean just for the, for the record. Thank you. Yep. I knew it. Um, knew but it. yeah. What were you saying? I just said, I knew it. Yeah. Knew it all along. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it is interesting to kind of look at, you know, what underrated and overrated is always a funny term because it's just a media-based term of, like, who everyone thinks is good or who everyone thinks isn't good uh, that ends up being good. But kind of a a fun conversation starter. I still think the comment of the six handicap at a member guest is by far the most underrated player of all time. Um, But we gave you some of ours there in Tom Kim and... Um, not only Tyrrell Hatton, who Max Homa thinks it is, <coughs> um, but your guy as well. Yeah. Uh, let's finish this up with a little bit of a preview of the Sony Open in this coming week. Uh, the Hawaiian swing is still in full force on the PGA Tour. Um, got some interesting stats here about the... Sony Open and the Country Club that it's being played at in Oahu. But first of all, I want to tell you guys about who we always place our golf bets with, and that is Bet365. Head on over to the Bet365 app. It is by far the best app to bet golf with. You can bet the each ways, which is what we do each week. It takes your individual bet and splits it half or doubles it and then splits half of that to the golfer winning the tournament and splits the other half onto them placing. We usually go with the one through five. Pretty simple. It's the first first column right across from the player's name. Uh, use the code all caps, all city. When you sign up for bet three, six, five, and you have a couple different offers out there, you can get $150 in bonus bets. Once you place a $5 bet. So you can use those all 2024. When it comes to betting golf, golf bets are the most fun. I will uh, argue with anyone for, you know, bonus bets or free play bets because they're great odds. And it's a, it's a four-day bet. Sometimes it can turn into a two-day loser um, if your guy misses the cut. But that's how betting goes. And 
it is fun to be able to pay attention to something over four days and nobody can win a tournament on Thursday. Um, but if they're hanging around Thursday, Friday, make the cut, have a good moving day around Saturday, then Sunday you're kind of locked in and at really good odds. Um, it's fun to hit those little two or three dollar bets that turn into 80, 90, 100 dollars at some time. So uh, the Sony Open this weekend is Wiley Country Club. It's been played here since 1965, so it's a, a continuous journey um, over, what is this, uh, 2025 will be the 50th year of it already? Uh, is my, that math, mathing? No. no 2015 was year. the 50th year. Um, so we're at 58 years of the playing of this event. My math is not great. And a couple of fun facts. 16 of the last 17 winners of this golf course played here the year before. Um, and so it's, it's a course where as long as you got a little bit of experience on it, uh, the Hawaii swing is obviously very short and sweet. It's only a couple of weeks. And up until this last year, you had to be a winner. So it's a, usually a stacked field to get into the century. And then most of those guys just head on over to a different island at Oahu and play this event. But over 25% of the field this year hasn't ever competed at this golf course before. So basically we're pooling, you know, what we think is about 75% that have a chance. And a European player has never won the Sony Open. Not once. It's wow. like of the 58 years, I think it was 47 Americans and then, you know, some mix of South Korea, North Korea, not North Korea, probably <laughs> South Korea, um, and then Australia, other, you know, Minwoo Lee, essentially, he's the defending champ of this. But um, it, interesting enough, do you think a this is the year that a European player can win the Sony Open? Is there enough talent from the Euros to win this tournament? Um, I mean, there's obviously enough talent, but I, I don't know what, what's going on there. Consequently, I mean, or coincidentally, I guess you could say, I picked two Americans to uh, win this event this week. And it is a very classic golf course, like for it being Hawaiian golf, uh, you'd think it'd be kind of hard to set up like a, a Parkland style tree line course in Hawaii, but uh, all the trees are just palm trees. And it's other than that, it's kind of like your, your old school country clubs with tight fairways, uh, pretty, pretty hard dog legs, things like that. So uh gone are we both frozen no we're not okay he's frozen so mitchell just froze real quick i will hop in and give you guys my picks this week for uh the sony open via odds via bet 365 so my first pick is going to be jt poston he is plus 3000 and that's betting each way one through five places I actually got this bet boosted, bet365. If you hop in and bet on the Sony Open this week, you're getting a boost of about 30%. So I got this boosted. Uh, JT Poston has six top tens in his last six months. Plus, he was top five, T5, at Kapalua last week. Um, and he is plus 3,000. And then my next guy is a guy that Mitchell and I both had, ironically. By the time he texted me that he wanted this guy, I had already put the bet in at better odds. So I think it's right around 2,500 right now. But Eric Cole, um, Honey Hole Eric Cole is our guy that we just seem to, one of us seems to pick every single week. Uh, he got T14 at Kapalua. 
He is plus 3,000 on the each way, one through five places. Like I said, if you go bet it now, it's probably around 2,500. Um, this is uh, his T14 at Kapalua last week is his second worst finish in his last six starts. Um, he did play the Sony Open last year, so he's already got a little bit of experience here. Um, this will be a little lower scoring of a tournament. It's not century crazy of the 30 to 40 under, whatever, 28, 30 under. Um, but we'll probably see this winner in the 17 to 22 range. Uh, and Eric Cole can make birdies with the best of them. He was second on tour last year in total putts per per hole. Um, and this is going to be a course where putting is, we've seen it every single year with the Sony Open, putting is of the utmost importance. So I think Eric Cole takes it home this week and wins his his first PGA Tour event in his nice little, uh, his joggers and his new balance, or his foot joy his old school foot joy shoes, his dad shoes. Um, I, w- I don't know when I cut out. Did I, uh, did you get my picks or did I? No, we just rolled into, um, into mine. So okay. you, the floor yeah. is yours. I don't know what happened, but, uh, so my two picks, um, a few guys that obviously have already played here, uh, in the past because I, I wouldn't pick a first time guy and just smarter than that. Um, so I've got, uh andrew putnam plus 4500 he actually finished top five here last year um pretty low-key name on the pga tour but he's played well here in the past and uh he puts it very well and it feels like he knows these greens so i like him and then i've also got denny mccarthy plus 3300 another dude that is one of the best putters on the pga tour um i'm ready to be hurt again after the scenario we went through last year with him losing in Ohio to Victor Hovland. Uh, but I think he's going to get it done at some point this year. He's too talented not to. Uh, plus 3,300, I like those odds. Yeah, and this tournament, uh, statistically in the past couple of years, obviously there's some some European guys that are, of course, they've never won this tournament, but are pretty low on the odds board up there. But the odds on the winner over the past, I think, 10 to 15 years is right around plus 4,500. So some guys that um, not necessarily your your favorites to win the event, but they come out on top. I'm looking forward to uh, another weekend watching some good golf. This is a pretty pretty stacked field. It's not as quite as stacked as a century, but a lot of guys do make the trip and just make it into a two-week trip. And uh, like Kisner said last week at, uh, the century he needed a free flight to hawaii so he just decided to come over and commentate the event and i think we get him again this week don't we um i think so i i'm not positive but i think that is the case i mean why wouldn't he i i'm actually kind of surprised he's not playing but uh because this golf course kind of fits his game unless he just statistically hasn't played well here but i would think that he would play pretty well with this course so um should we get into our fairway or fours to uh, wrap up the episode here? Yeah, let's wrap it up with a fairway or four. Why don't you kick us off? Um, okay, so I'm I'm hopping into the condiments uh, section of this. I don't think we've done this before, uh, but flat out, and I think you'll agree with me, um, horseradish is an elite condiment. Horseradish, I, I actually use like creamy horseradish on like sandwiches, things like that, instead of mayonnaise. And my mouth's watering right now, like a, the fat slob that I am just thinking about fucking horseradish for some reason. Uh, but 
it is one of the i i think it may like it's either that or spicy mustard like i love spicy mustard and i love horseradish but fairway or four is horseradish and elite condiment that is absolute right down the middle bomb fairway um when mitchell was living with us a couple months over the last summer last fall we were having we have pork chops a lot that's in our rotation one of my favorite things to make for dinner and he was like dude why don't we not have horseradish with this and ever since that day the next time i went to the store always make sure we have horseradish on deck at home uh the diet i'm currently on i don't think i can have it maybe i can find some horseradish that's like you can probably have like raw horseradish yeah but that doesn't interest me as much as like the the uh you know, the creamy it's, stuff. Yeah, it's a little more work than the creamy stuff. But I'm I'm kind of stuck in the mustard realm. Like mustard is one of the for the diet I'm on. Mustard is like the go to condiment. Can you um, have Dijon mustard? I don't know. I'd have to or I have to look up Dijon? I have to look up the sugar content on the Dijon mustard, but oh, uh, I'm pretty much a straight mustard guy for the next twenty eight days, but who's counting? Good luck. Um, all right. My fairway or four this week is, so like I said, I've been sick and I, I'm, I try to go to bed early, but when you have a kid it's, and they go to bed, it's like your time to not go to bed. So my fairway or four is, is going to bed at nine, before 9 PM, just like is that absolute lunacy if you're trying to sleep, you know, is trying to sleep 11 to 12 hours a night, is that, like, acceptable? It just feels like I'm wasting life. Um, It just depends on your situation. I mean, when you're sick, yeah, it makes sense. But on a general day-to-day basis, if you sleep, if you sleep until, like, 11 or noon on a day-to-day basis, I generally think that you're lazy. Uh, that might be a little harsh, but um, I don't know anybody that's unless you're working until three or four in the morning. But if you're if you have time and you flat out like go to sleep at two o'clock in the morning on your own time and then don't get out of bed until eleven or noon, that's out of pocket for me. And th- and that's like every day. I get it on the weekends, uh, whatever. But like if you're you know working remote or you can kind of have a flexible job and you don't get out of bed and start your day until noon, that blows my mind. Yeah, like last night, I think I went to bed before nine o'clock and it felt great. Um, but I was up at five and, and stayed up at five because I'm trying to get back into the routine of being up and being ready to roll. Um, but I don't think that's possible for me anymore at my current age when I don't go to bed before nine or 10. Now, granted, there was no sports on last night, so I was safe. But tonight, both of our games start at eight o'clock local time. And I'm complaining over here, you're going to be watching them at 10 p.m. You're going to be up till the wee hours of the morning. You're going to be up till first piss hours for me um, around one watching these games. But I, I'm i like already like, do I watch these games? Do I not watch these games? This 8 o'clock shit's just killing me. Yeah, the, the late games out here, I've actually kind of grown to love a little bit because I just lay in bed and stay up and watch them. Luckily, I don't have to be up at the ass crack of dawn ever. Um, so I, you know, I'll sleep until seven thirty, eight o'clock, but I really don't mind staying up till midnight, one in the morning for a good sporting event. Yeah. It, the only time I get really annoyed about staying up later than I normally would is like when you lose, when our teams lose kind of just yeah. like ruins my mood and then I go to bed and then I'm just replaying it in my head why we lost and pissed off. But 
And then if we win, it's kind of a double-edged sword because if we win, then I'm juiced up and I'm like not necessarily as ready to go to bed as I normally would be. It's so sad, but like some nights when we win a big game, like the other night when we uh, the Avs beat the Bruins in a shootout, I just like laid in bed, like kind of just smiling, like just happy. <laughs> uh, like it, it, it's sad how much sports dictate our lives. Uh, but I really wouldn't have it any other way because what else would I care about then? Like, like, what am I going to go can vegetables and fruits or like what else is there to do in life besides give a shit about sports? I know, dude. Last night with no sports on, I was literally flipped from like Fox 31 News to Denver 7 to Channel 4, then back. Like, I, I didn't know what to do Have with you myself. heard of uh, Netflix and Hulu? Yeah, dude. There, I, I'm in a weird. A, hear me out. I started the show last night. I guess it came out in like 2020. I think it's called Outsiders. Um, I think it is on Netflix or Hulu, one of the two. Uh, but Fire Show, it's like a murder mystery kind of deal. Uh, but it is very worth your while. Yeah, this is the kind of time of year. I mean, I'm either watching hockey or basketball. Hopefully they're on opposite nights. I hate when they overlap. But um, if there's a night that happens to be with no sports, my girlfriend, like, praises the heavens because then I'll actually watch another TV show besides sports, uh, which she generally prefers to do. She loves sports, but she loves watching TV shows. So then we either start a new show or continue another show, watch a movie. Um, so those are her nights. Any other night, generally my night. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have real commitment issues with like starting a new show on my one free night because I'll watch like three or four episodes one, you know, free from sports night, I'll watch three or four episodes and then I might not watch it again for five or six days. And I don't like doing that. I'd rather just not start it than, than get it started and then have nothing happen. It's just something you have to live with. It's something that you need to, to figure out on your own. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you guys can figure out on your own how to watch the Sony open this weekend. We will be watching it. Um, go Eric Cole, go Andrew Putnam, Go Denny McCarthy. Denny McCarthy and my guy winning this event. I just feel it. Little JT the postman. Uh, enjoy your weekend. We will, got, we will talk to you guys next week on Monday. Winner's Circle episode on Monday to talk about this Sony Open. Uh, you guys enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you then. Peace. Peace. We all silly like the mayor. 